Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Two favorable results to start off the MLS season, but Atlanta United faces their first major test with Club America this week. We break down everything Atlanta United can do to get a result. All that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Tanner McLeod. Before we get into it, become a member of the notification squad by hitting the bell next to the subscribe button or hop over from Facebook and subscribe. Sore from a weekend of soccer? There's a relaxing and affordable massage with your name on it. Massage Heights is a charming day spa that offers an exclusive escape from everyday routines. Refresh your mind, body, and spirit with a personalized spa treatment from Massage Heights. With six locations around Atlanta, look no further, book today to avoid the rush. An identical scoreline this week has us top of the East after two matches. 2-1, of course, was the scoreline against FC Cincy in our home opener. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, lots and lots of people were there to see Atlanta United uh, do quite well, I think, in terms of results. Uh, in terms of performance, maybe not exactly perfect, but at least this is uh, how we lined up on the night. Uh, you, you saw John up top with... PT and Barco. Uh, you saw that uh, midfield pretty much persist as the same with Hyman and Rometty and the fullbacks in Lennon and Mulraney the same as well. The one surprise I think was in the back line with Lawrence Wyke uh, as that right center back. Mesa and Walks of course uh, filled out the rest of that back line. But uh, yeah, in terms of how they played, I mean, yeah, Wyke, I think, showed a, a lot of uh, panache with the ball a little bit and uh, definitely sprayed it out uh, to the left. Definitely one uh, over the top to Barco that was mm, very, very... It was, it was a beautiful pass. And I think that's an unfortunate for him that he ended up you know, going off injured with a concussion. I was surprised he carried on as long as he did because you could see a massive yeah. like mark on his head from the head-to-head collision that he had. But yeah, I thought he played well. You know, he, he played was like bit, 15 more minutes. After yeah, he was a bit nervy in the first match when he came on against against Nashville, but he looked pretty comfortable in this case. He wasn't tested too much, but on the ball, he showed composure and he showed the confidence to, to pick out that ball. And that's something that Dan Gargan mentioned it on the broadcast. You know, as a young player, if you can go out and do that, that really gets your confidence going, which is so important. You know, to play in front of that many people, you got to be confident in yourself. So it also he, helps when they don't really press him. And, yeah, you know, that's that's the most important thing. Up, is but. that. Cincinnati didn't really press anybody in this game yeah, so yeah. until the very end of the match. And so he had the time to be able to lift up his head and pick out that pass. But still, it was a good start for him. Unfortunate that he had to come off, but it seems we have a bit of a center-back curse in terms of injuries. Yeah, and so, yeah, Lawrence Wyke with the kind of uh, two hits to the head unfortunately has to come off. I think probably a decision by him ultimately at the end of the day where he was just like, yeah, I shouldn't continue even though uh, it seemed like he was still able to, to walk around. But uh, Somewhere Taylor Twelman swearing. Yeah, exactly. But George Campbell gets his MLS debut, which is great for the kid, uh, 18 years old. I mean, that's just uh, what were you doing at 18? But uh, uh, I was in high school. Yeah, exactly. But um, and probably most of us, uh, yeah, you know, high school, going into college, not knowing what the hell you're doing with your life. This kid is playing at a sold-out, packed stadium. Yeah. 
ridiculous. He but also does not look like an 18-year-old. He's he a unit. not, yes. He's indeed. a unit. He's, uh, yeah, he's a big boy. But, um, yeah, in terms of his performance as well, I feel like was very solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit nervy, a little bit, um, you know, trying to feel out the game a little bit. Uh, kind of like Wyke in his first, first, right. you know, very similar ways of coming onto the pitch and having me put into a into a role and, and being expected to, to you know continue mm -hmm. performing. You saw DeBoer like grab him by the, yeah. the uh, you know kind of ribs and just like really tell him you know what you his game it. plan should be, and, and pretty much ultimately uh, it said that. At, at the end of the, or in the press conference afterwards, was that uh, he told him to play his game and just, you know, do the best that he can doing what he does. And yeah, George Campbell is a guy that is, uh, you know, pretty tidy on the ball normally. Um, and yeah, in terms of going backwards, he's still learning that trade a little bit. And so Absolutely. I think you saw a little bit of that, but uh, overall a very solid, uh, just MLS debut for, yeah. you know, an 18-year-old for, for sure. sure. And it really helps, of course, when you have the attack in guys like P.T. Martinez starting to do what fans anticipated that they'd be doing. And, you know, in the first half, Atlanta gets off to a really good start in terms of creating chances. And then finally, you know, you get that opening goal. And when you score like that, you know, it sets everything off on the right foot. Indeed, yeah. So, yeah, P.T. Martinez, yeah, I mean, he uh, picked up a pair of assists in this match uh, before he exited. But, um, I mean, it's just... Uh, what he was able to do to uh, get it to the byline, beat a guy, um, and then, yeah, you saw Ezekiel Barco kind of play like Jose Martinez, really crash that near post and scores from point-blank range, but, I mean, it is absolutely, uh, I think, really ballsy from Barco because... Yeah, smallest guy on the pitch probably, and you know he really doesn't care for or doesn't mind a physical battle, and you know he gets in there, and yeah, it's one nil to LA United. And the thing is, is it could have been one nil earlier in the match as well from a fantastic through ball from PT Martinez that he threaded through about four guys and put it on a plate for Ezekiel Barco. He just couldn't finish. Mm -hmm. But PT Martinez is getting his head up, and he had a really great long diagonal in the first half as well, and he's showing an all around game with his range of passing, his dribbling. He's now getting the fouls called as well, which is fantastic. He's turning into a very, very important player. And I think in the, in the 60 plus minutes that he was on the pitch, he was, in my opinion, the best player on the pitch for Atlanta United again, who really spurred them going forward. And it seemed more often than not was making the right decision. And definitely, I think, yeah, when he was on the pitch, he mm -hmm. was definitely, uh, I think, Ezekiel Barco ultimately maybe did more at the end of the day to see out at the, the match. At the end of the match, yeah. Right, but um, yeah, in terms of uh, this, the second goal, Ezekiel Barco, a little no-look to Emerson Hyman, who Emerson Hyman, yeah, Still takes had a little bit to do there. Three touches, and then, yeah, just blast it to the near post, beats the keeper. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, uh, if, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where, yeah, Hyman, he... We, we got him the goal of the week last last week. He does not deserve. <laughs> Didn't deserve. Uh, no, he deserved last week. Does, yeah, not, does deserve not deserve this, this week. week. He, was, he wasn't in the uh, goal of the week this week, and I think there was probably a good reason from MLS. Uh, in terms yeah, of, from just the LAFC <laughs> Philadelphia game alone. There goal was of the a, year possibly yeah. came out of that game, and Very it's true. only week two. I think that you have to definitely give credit to both Barco and to Emerson Hyman on that second goal. Barco for the pass was fantastic to find him. Emerson Hyman for the awareness to find that pocket of space inside the 18-yard box, and then show the composure to chop the defender, get it around him, and then finish calmly into the corner. That's two goals so far in two weeks. You've had the same two guys score in the same order. You're not gonna to continue to get that, but what is important is you have to continue to get production from both of these players with Joseph Martinez being out. Yes, Ezekiel Barco, you expect to score goals because of his price tag and basically, you know, his, his desire to move on to a bigger club. He has to put up the goals. But for a player like Emerson Hyman, 
who has come in and has really gotten a big payday in order to, to, to be here, he needs to step up and continue to score those goals as well. And so far, he's been doing a decent job. He just needs to continue doing that. Yeah, yeah. for me, I mean, if you're an Arsenal fan, he reminds me of uh, Aaron Ramsey, a, a guy that has an eye for goal from midfield, either with uh, late third-man runs or uh, just an... Just an eye for Colt in the box. I mean, he's that type of guy. Just a yeah, poor man's maybe Aaron Ramsey. Well, let's just hope that Emerson Hyman scoring goals and kill people like Aaron yeah, Ramsey exactly does. right. And we'll touch on more of that later, oh, actually. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, in terms of uh, yeah, like. Uh, their goal, Yuya Kubo, who I'm, yeah, proud that there's a, uh, you know, an Asian American, not American, but Asian person that is a designated player. First time uh, Japanese MLS. DP. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, I'm not thrilled with the goal that he scored in terms of uh, for LA United. Uh, I mean, yeah, a little bit where there wasn't some closing down, definitely from midfield and from, uh, from the back line. and from, um, from Campbell. Campbell that I mean, both had a closing down. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of miscommunication obviously you know you know Campbell uh you know just MLS debut didn't really quite uh, know the tendencies maybe of also all you know the players that are coming in new to the league I get that but uh yeah I mean I think we've kind of conceded very similar goals uh in our uh, in our history before we just kind of lack the uh wherewithal to really know that okay yeah these guys um from that angle if they're right footed they're probably gonna try to take a shot and yeah it's just not not quick enough but yeah i think i think he put some really good swear yeah, on for sure well. but i think brad gazan also comes into a little bit of criticism on this i think he mm -hmm. may have, his positioning may have been a bit too far to that to that left-handed that left-hand post mm -hmm. offering a bit too much to the goal sure. to him and he also got caught a little bit flat-footed to where he yeah. couldn't get back to it because at the end of the day yes there was swerve but it was still pretty close to the middle of the goal he couldn't so where yeah. you probably could expect brad guzan to save that and he probably himself is disappointed with his effort and not being able to save it there but i think for me you know it is 2-1 you go 2-0 up which was nice you get that cushion it seemed maybe a little bit that the intensity had dropped a little after the second goal goes in for atlanta united cincinnati does get into the game with that with that goal from kubo but also you know it was it was one of those things where they had more shots, and I, I went back, you know, and watched the game. And in my fan cam, I talked about how they outshot Atlantiana basically two to one. But when you go and you look at it, and if you look at the XG, none of their chances were very high quality. The goal that they do come, they do score is from a very low probability shot as well. And it wasn't as if a lot of block shots. Yeah, as well. a lot of block shots. It wasn't as if they were out creating Atlantiana. So I think you know that's mm -hmm. something that I should definitely clarify on you know, having seen the match back. But also I think there there is some nervy tendencies that are developing with Atlantiana, particularly on the left hand side of defense. Mm -hmm. um, in the first or second minute, you know Cincinnati have a chance to square the ball across the face of goal, but no one's attacking it for them. Mm -hmm. um, and Atlanta has been giving up a lot of passes into those wide areas, whether that's intentional or not, to say, hey, we're fine giving up the space. You can cross it in, good luck. It still is going to be dangerous against better teams. And I think that's the one thing that we have to touch on the most is that Nashville's in their first season ever, and they're still kind of figuring MLS out, and they were unlucky against Portland Timbers. But Cincinnati is still not a very good team, in my opinion. They have some good players, but they're still not they're a very good in. team. Yeah, they're still trying to build chemistry. They're still trying to find their identity of what they're trying to do. And also, I mean, Locadia just came in as uh, their starter. He isn't as acclimated. And so, yeah, there is uh, a betting in period. They have a, new, they have a new manager because they got fired before the beginning of right, the season. Right, so they have an so, interim manager. and so it's, Yeah, it's uh, they're, they're not a team that's in the best place to succeed right now. And honestly, I thought that they really played into Atlanta United's hands 
because of their game point at the beginning. They didn't press Atlanta United, but their line was high enough to where the ball over the top was available, and I was a bit confused as to what exactly they were doing because I think the blueprint for playing against Atlanta United is to press them, and they started doing that later in the game and gave Atlanta United some trouble. But I found it odd that they were just so, you know, between two minds and not really doing anything defensively that to, to stop Atlanta United in the first half. And, you know, that's disappointing in terms of a Cincinnati fan, but also it puts the whole game into perspective. Not being said, there are some really quality things I think you can take out of these first two matches. The first being for me is that Meza, I think, is incredible. And some people are already saying he's potentially better than LGP. Easy, LGP made over 100 appearances, I believe, for Atlanta United. But Meza is showing some things that are different from LGP. He's showing composure and a calmness on the ball and saying, okay, I don't have to run forward. I don't have to play this pass. I can wait but he also is showing a nice range of passing where he can split three lines and pass it straight Absolutely. to Adam John, and that's something that's very good going forward. Yeah, and also I think Mesa, he makes his decision really quickly. He doesn't dwell on the ball maybe as much as an LGP, and so there is a little bit of difference for sure in their type of play where, yeah, he does his work early and he knows exactly where he's going to play it before he gets the ball. And for someone of his height, he's really good in the air because he was going up against a striker who was six foot four, and he was routinely winning the aerial duels there. Exactly, and so that's, yeah, down to positioning and, you know, where we're all within the game and so yeah definitely uh, Mesa stood out another guy who stood out when he came on for PT Martinez was Mateus Hosetu Ooh. yeah he looks silky Except uh, for tackling. Except for tackling. Yeah, we, we, we prognosticated this. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe don't rely on him to do the defensive actions. But, uh, yeah, when he's on the ball, he's always looking to make something happen. And that's really exciting, I think, when uh, he came on. It, we needed that kind of energy. We needed that kind of push. And, um, yeah, I think also for PT Martinez, it was probably to save him for Wednesday as well. Uh, I think it was interesting, the subs, but uh, I think it was kind of forced because of injury as well. Um, but in terms of, yeah, because I would have maybe wanted to see Ezekiel Barco taken off, but I guess one of the two at least, uh, you know, Barco, he kind of allowed us to have that kind of release valve. Really helped us uh, kind of hold possession until really even last minute. I mean, pretty much the, the last possession we had almost was uh, him, uh, you know, just kind of holding it up on the left side of the pitch, uh, going to the corner. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely for me, I think Barco, I think, deserved the man of the match because of, uh, you know, not only assisting Hyman, but, you know, really seeing us out through the entire entirety. So, but um, in terms of getting into some of the post-match quotes, um, yeah, it seems like uh, Frank Moore, yeah, agrees that it wasn't really the best performance from the boys. He said, uh, quote, I think overall the whole team did a great effort. I know we can play much better. We worked very hard. Sometimes it was quite difficult for us. They, FC Cincinnati, played in a block and we had to create our own space and everything. It was difficult to find a free man. We had some moments, for example, the great pass that found PT and then directly to Barco, one against uh, one in the first half. Yeah, I mean, even <laughs> the three against one in the second half, Ooh, what could have been? But. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one frustrating bit for me with Barco in the second half is that he had a chance to just play, just play the ball first time, and Josetu is going to run onto that. He's a very rapid player from what we've seen so far, and if he's one on one with the goalkeeper, we haven't seen him enough. But my guess is is that he's probably putting him on his bum and going around him and scoring. Right. So it was uh, that was an unfortunate one, but uh, you know, it, I think. Uh, 
they were making the right runs. It was just mm -hmm. a matter of releasing it just a and little. They'll get better as the season goes on. And I think, right. you know, I don't want to sound too negative when speaking about the quality of the opposition, but at the same time, results are still important. And compared to last season where Atlanta United was and where we were sitting after two games last year with so one point right, from yeah. two matches and a frustrating home draw to this same Cincinnati team, you know, you definitely are in a better place considering especially the number of injuries that you have. But hey, 2-1 win, three points, that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in, in terms of, uh, yeah, we didn't speak about Adam John and how he played up top. I think, uh, yeah, he held up the belt, he held up the ball well. Uh, he made those uh, those runs that maybe weren't rewarded uh, per se throughout the match. Uh, I think his touch may be a little heavy at times, but I think he's still trying to gain chemistry with PT and Barco. But uh, yeah, I think he definitely opened up space for the other attackers to Which be able important. to operate. And so that's, yeah, absolutely very important. Uh, another bit I think we uh, didn't touch on was Ezekiel Barco's celebration for Joseph Martinez holding up the seven. And I mean, just heartwarming because, yeah, I, I think you mean you saw uh, them holding up the jersey for Joseph Martinez yeah, before. The the TFO, I mean, it is just. Uh, and yeah. then in the seventh minute, Joseph Martinez chant goes up. He's feeling he a lot, hopefully. But he's loved. <laughs> exactly. And that's really, I think, the point that uh, I think most people were trying to hammer home was that, yes, Joseph Martinez very much appreciated and that, uh, you know, we were trying to make sure that he felt that. And he was in the stadium and he was definitely, I think, uh, aware of all that love for sure. Uh, in terms of uh, Jake Mulraney and uh, his Mulraney. reactions to uh, the uh, the Benz and being there for the first time with it being packed out, uh, he said, crazy, honestly, it was crazy. Apart from the game, it was an amazing experience. I've said it before, but I think the atmosphere across the water is a little bit more hostile, whereas here, it's a lot more supportive. And, um, yep, exactly. So uh, I think, yeah, he, he gets a spot on me and we're... Uh, definitely, I think um, that type of crowd that you know isn't really going to maybe shout like "Who are you? Who are you?" or anything like that. We're going to be a little bit more uh, cheering you on for sure. But uh, yeah, and in terms of uh, Greg Garza, uh, you know, and you know, fan favorite uh, formerly of the Five Stripes, uh, he said, "Yeah, um, Atlanta." Obviously, is a special place. I think the atmosphere and the energy kind of gives you an extra bit of motivation, I think, for both teams. You're playing in front of 70,000 plus, uh, and it's something that you don't get to do every day. For me personally, this was a place uh, once a home, so obviously playing in front of people that still support you and are still cheering for me is still something that feels very special. Uh, he also, uh, you know, when Joseph got that injury, he apparently called the night of the injury and talked to him when he was in the hospital. So yeah, they're still the best of buds. And that's, yeah, I mean, Greg Garza, consummate, just professional, good dude. I mean, just great to see. Uh, Glad that he didn't really, you know, he got a yellow. Us. Yeah, he got a yellow, and but <laughs> but, uh, but I wish him luck completely the rest of the season to kill the rest of the league. But uh, that pretty much wraps up the match review and it gets us to the news. And uh, yeah, that that attendance was sixty nine thousand three hundred one, which is tenth uh, in the top ten. MLS uh, all-time attendances, which is just outrageous. Of, oh, by uh, the way, all 10 of those yeah. are, <laughs> are Atlanta United. Dallas. And that's <laughs> just what, but uh, that's just the state of Atlanta United. We uh, 
we just own attendance records and you know that's uh may it continue and may it really kind of rise into some crazy numbers hopefully make it the top 20 now exactly right yeah we just keep going but um in terms of Ezekiel Barco and PT Martinez they had a hell of a week and they made the MLS team of the week congrats to them yeah either of them could have been man of the match and yeah they deserve to be in the team of the week for sure uh LA United they Brought in a new player, J.J. Williams from Birmingham Legion. Uh, he was uh, kind of uh, a Columbus Crew player, and then he was loaned there uh, to the Legion. But then uh, he pretty much got waived, and then he was playing with the Legion. And because he's a Generation Adidas player, also uh, that also helps that when we sign him, he doesn't really hit on our budget, which is great. Uh, and, I mean, the fact is, is that MLS pretty much uh, pulled him if uh, an MLS team wants him. And yes, LA United definitely needed some depth. I think this is what uh, that type of player is for LA United. Uh, but in terms of the type of player he is, uh, yeah, uh, he played for the University of Kentucky. Uh, he had, I think, 18 goals in 22 appearances, all starts in his last season. Uh, along with eight assists, he's I think a guy that uh, is a good little project. Maybe a lot of um, a lot of potential to uh, be a kind of little I think decently rapid target forward. Uh, kind of uh, good with some hold up play. Maybe he needs to work on his touch a little bit, but uh, definitely has an eye for trying to pick out a pass and um, you know trying to find his teammates to bring him into the game. So. I think uh, it's good in terms of uh, you know someone to at least go along with uh, an Adam John because if we only have an Adam John, uh, yeah, it's going to be really troubling. And so yeah, this is someone that can help us in that department for sure. Uh, and yeah, he's a 6'3", 22 year old as well. So yeah, he's uh, another big one for sure. Uh, so in terms of other. Uh, maybe semi-rumors for uh, some strikers. According to Nicolo Shira, a, uh, a journalist, he said that LA United are looking into Carlos Baca. He's a player for Villarreal, of course, famously also maybe for Sevilla, uh, but he's in kind of close to his mid-30s now. He's 33. 33, and so he's a guy that, um, yeah, you know, in terms of, I think, the plausibility also for LA United, uh, you know, he's an older player. He probably would command some DP wages, and you know that would be a little bit kind of like implausible for LA United in that regard. Um, and in terms of how it actually came about in this rumor, it's not really sure. But this guy spoke like he had some inside knowledge. But uh, I have a feeling that it came from one of those MLS listicles that had come out floating some of the uh, floating 10 options that Atlanta could look at because yeah another player that he spoke about was Daniel Sturridge and yeah I mean he's banned from uh, you know signing with football teams uh, in at least three months so yeah it's uh, probably a little bit implausible this one but uh, in terms of another guy that we apparently were looking at and trying to get from Houston Dynamo Christian Ramirez uh, famously, probably, that we were aware of from Minnesota United, uh, as well as LAFC, but uh, they apparently turned down the offer. That's according to Christian Dyer. And so, you know, uh, you know, the search continues for sure for uh, another striker and someone to help fill in while Jose Martinez is recovering and gets a surgery, which has not been uh, really... 
Um, you know, it hasn't been determined yet. It hasn't been, uh, you know, in terms of what the severity is yet either. So, you know, it's still a wait and see in that regard. Uh, a report from Der Telegraph, uh, a Dutch uh, website. It says that LA United and De Boer's agent Guido Albers are searching in the market to find a young, fast, and talented striker who's riding the bench at a large club and that can be loaned. That makes sense. Uh, definitely, I think is the territory of what we're looking at. It's just how big of you know a name in that type of territory, and that's the tough part because. Yeah, if we get into uh, anything more than TAM territory, it's going to be hella, hella difficult. We're going to have to do some MLS finagling, maybe do some uh, LA Galaxy type things, but we'll see. We'll see. But uh, in terms of the U.S. men's national team and uh, that international window that's coming up, uh, Brooks Lennon is not going to be a part of it, even though he could have been. Uh, apparently, he said to the media, he said, it's always an honor to get called up to the U.S. team. Atlanta United chose not to release guys outside of the international window. I respect that decision. That's it. Uh, seems like, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, maybe was chosen, but isn't not able to take Olympic part. Olympic qualifying, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, Olympic qualifying. And, yeah, no, um, <laughs> You know, Champions League has a little bit of a part to play, a little bit. There's club games, so no. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also that he's pretty much our only right back right now to a degree where he could play right back. He's not in a right back out and out, I think, but um, definitely it makes it a lot tougher. But uh, in terms of uh, if you had YouTube TV, if you were a subscriber there, uh, yeah, Fox Sports has reached an agreement with YouTube TV, and so yes, you can get your Atlanta United from there again. There was a little bit of a, a contract dispute, and it's good to see that yeah, people have options other than Hulu and all that. So good for that. Uh, and in terms of LA United 2, they played their USL opener this past weekend. They lost 1-0 to our old friends in the Charleston Battery. Uh, See you again in June for the US Open Cup. Exactly, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but uh, Daniel Steedman and Philip Goodrum, they made their pro debut with the uh, the reserve squad, George Bello and Luis Fernando, they were part of the 11 as well as the first teamers. They, uh, in terms of Bello, he uh, was sobbed off, I think, in the second half. And yeah, I think that had a Wednesday in mind with the CCL probably could play a part if, uh, if we need him to. But, uh, and what's interesting as well is that uh, Amir Bashti is the number 10 for LA2. Famously, he was, uh, you know... Drafted, cut, let go, yeah. joined someone else, and just appeared again. Yeah, so... Hey, you know, good for him. Yeah, he got the number 10. Apparently, he played really well yesterday as well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, great to see. Hopefully, he continues that. Uh, for the Phoenix Rising, Lagos Kunga, he scored their fifth goal to pretty much ice it completely. Uh, good on Kunga. Great to see. And uh, a former Atlanta United Academy player in Will Vint. Uh, I think when he moved to the Colorado Rapids, we kind of saw the writing on the wall that, yeah, he was probably going to become a homegrown for the Colorado Rapids. And that was the case. They announced it this past week. And uh, yeah, famously, in a sense, I keep saying this famously, but uh, Will Vint was part of the uh, kind of trialed for Manchester United. He was in the academy there for a while until his visa expired. Right. His dad was, his dad's visa expired which mean he couldn't play there anymore. Right, and yeah, kind of sad for him, but uh, yeah, and now he's playing with the Rapids, which, 
Yeah, I guess that's... Uh, they that's have the plague outside of their stadium from time to time. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so in terms of uh, the coronavirus, it is definitely affecting a lot of things. Syria yeah, Speaking of Aaron Ramsey killing things... Oh, man. Aaron yeah. Ramsey killed Syria. Yeah, it seems like. So there's a, a whole thing about Aaron Ramsey, and when he scores, like... Unfortunately, someone famous dies. Now it seems like he has killed in terms of uh, a whole league continuing. He's uh, yeah stopped and suspended Syria. Not really, obviously, but um, yeah. I mean, it, it is uh, very interesting, coincidental type of thing. Like, oh man, like who else he killed? Uh, I mean, it's I think Prince, unfortunately. Michael Jackson. He hasn't killed no. directly. It just, Wait, was it Michael Michael Jackson? When he scored, I don't think so. yeah. I mean, no, it's pretty much when he scored. Which I mean, it used to be kind of frequent. In like 2013, it was frequent, but uh, now it's not as frequent. And so, yeah, there are you know famous people that pass away coincidentally when he scores. Because Aaron Ramsey scored. That's just how the universe works. (laughs) But yeah, no, Ailey has actually canceled all sporting events up until possibly early April or longer. They are, outside of China, the worst affected sport, or worst affected country, I should say, of the coronavirus. But as far as the coronavirus is here at home, MLS is also making a few changes. Right, and so they're closing locker rooms to the media uh, due to the coronavirus concerns, and so is Major League Baseball, basketball, and hockey, and yeah, I mean, it's, I think preventative is uh, probably wise at this moment, uh, and we'll see if it goes any further than that, if there will be uh, some closed-door games for MLS as well, we shall see, but uh, that's this is the unfortunate part. Hopefully, all of this gets resolved at some point very, very soon, hopefully for humanity. But uh, anyway, so... Uh, that does it for the news and gets us to buy or sell. And we pretty much simply put up an Atlanta United topic and we say if we buy or sell it and give our reasons why. First topic is that George Campbell will get more than 20 appearances across all competitions for the first team in 2020. Buy or sell? I'm still going to sell this. I think that right now, I mean, if the current injury crisis continues throughout the whole season, I think that maybe that's a possibility. But if players are fit, I think Lawrence Wyke is ahead of him in the pecking order. Otherwise, Frank DeBoer wouldn't have chosen him to start over him this week or chosen him to come off the bench against Nashville. So I think Lawrence White possibly is ahead of him in terms of appearances uh, after he recovers from his concussion. And then if everyone else is fit, I mean, you've got a pretty solid group there that will start most of your games, especially once Robinson is there as well. So I still think he maybe be getting the teens somewhere, but 20 is a really big number, and I'm going to sell that he gets 20 this season. Yeah. Uh, I definitely sell as well. I think he can. I think hit the ten mark uh, definitely across all competitions because of uh, you know all the competitions that we're in, and I think yeah, kind of the injury crisis that we're in as well. I think he could see a maybe extended run for a minute uh, because concussions. You have to really take that a little slow, uh, so we'll see with Miles Robinson and Rocco Escobar how quickly they come back. But yeah, he could reach ten. I think very quickly in the next two months so uh next topic is that la united will play a closed door match this season because of the coronavirus possibly by ourselves i'm going to buy and not specifically whether or not that's here in atlanta or on the road um it seems to be that there's going to be a there seems that that's the way that things are going especially in europe champions league matches are getting played behind closed doors league uh, has now said all matches will be behind closed doors England's being very bullish and saying, F it, we're going for it anyway. Um, I think America is very similar in some ways, but without getting into politics at all, I think that it, it does pose a health concern. And with the 
you know, the diversity that you have in the Atlanta United fan base, there is a percentage of those people who would be susceptible, particularly older people over the age of, you know, I believe, 60 or so are the people most susceptible to suffering the worst from the coronavirus. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to have a handle on it right now. And usually with these types of things, they get worse before they get better. Mm -hmm. And out of safety concerns, I could see at least maybe one being placed behind closed doors this season. Yeah. Uh, I also buy that, yeah, we'll play a closed door. I don't know if it'll be at the Benz. Uh, I mean, I think if it really is a a massive concern. They'll pause the season. They'll pause the season, yeah, and it'll be like Serie A or something like that. So, uh, and that would be an absolute shame, but I mean, I think for the absolute health of the people as well, I think that's a greater concern. So, uh, that does it for Buy or Sell, and that gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IV Story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. Apologies, we'll have to go through a little quickly for this time uh, because we have a match preview as well in this one. But uh, first question comes from Joey Rector, and he asks, you can only start two, Hosetu, Heinemann, and Remetti. Who sits? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think once he gets fit and is fully playing, I think Hosetu has to start. Um, depending on how things go, you, you could get all three, but to answer your question and not dodge it completely, um, I'm going to go Hosetu and Hindman. I think they will offer more in terms of attacking and going forward. I think it's a bit bold at times and maybe a bit open at the back. And Rometty has played well so far, in my opinion, this season. But I think in terms of technical ability and attacking and going forward, you get the most out of those two, although it may leave you a bit unbalanced. Yeah, that's, oh, man, that's super attacking, ultra attacking on that, for sure. Uh, although I will say, <laughs> I, I will posit that depending on how the hunt for a striker goes, I could see a front three of Hosetu, Barco, and PT, mm -hmm. in which case Rometty then can play and I dodge your question. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think... I think uh, who sits in this, this is, yeah, super tough. I think Hosetu can also play on the right side of midfield as well, apparently. And so, you know, that may be a way to skirt that. But uh, I think, you know, in terms of incumbent and in terms of earning your place, right now it's Hyman and Rometty as the, the guys that have earned their place in the team at the moment. And so, yeah, I think Hosetu still needs to gain match fitness. So at this moment, Hyman and Rometty. Uh, next question comes from King Wes Eleven. Do you think we can win trophies without Joseph? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think U.S. Open Cup you can absolutely win without Joseph. Yeah, I agree there. Um, I think you know we have enough depth. I think to win uh, U.S. Open Cup if we can keep all our people healthy. That's a massive, massive if at this moment. But um, and depending on how the season goes, you could see Frank DeBoer prioritize that because it gets you Champions League football. Right, and so I, I think uh, you know he's talked about MLS Cup as being a priority, but I think uh, he's a smart man. At the end of the day, he knows which competitions he needs to prioritize to uh, you know meet the objectives of you know the front office and the team. And so uh, yeah, I think in terms of that, at the very least, and. Maybe uh, in terms of injury crisis at the moment, at the most, for just slightly U.S. Open Cup, but hopefully we can you know, smash beyond those expectations for sure. Last question comes from Matteo Andante. How different will the starting 11 in the last game of the season look versus the next game? Oof. Well, injuries have a lot to do with that. Um, hmm. If I had to make a bold prediction, you know, assuming Joseph doesn't have a crazy recovery period, which is possible given the time frame, he, he could very well be back come the very end of the season, but you know, that's being optimistic. Um, 
My gut is is that if Atlantiana doesn't sign a striker, your front three is going to be some combination of Josetu, PT, and Barco because they're all very quick, they're all very technical, they're all very attacking. And then it really depends on what formation Atlantiana decide they want to end up playing if it's going with the back three. Mm -hmm. I think as of right now, your your best three center backs are Escobar, uh, Mesa. Mesa and Robinson. Mm -hmm. And then it really depends on your wing backs, I think, and see who comes fit. And Mulraney's been decent so far, but we haven't seen Castillo or Bello. And then on the right, I think it's really right now just just Brooks Lennon, but also Anton Walks has been playing really good so far this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very, very tough. I think, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if everyone is healthy, obviously that's a different story here. Uh, I think you at least maybe see three to four spots right now change a little bit, I think, which is uh, a little bit crazy. And, uh, but I think speaks to, you know, what we're facing at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think it will, it will look pretty different at the end of the season for sure. But, uh, thank you guys for sending those questions and this gets us to our match preview. And so Wednesday, it's the CCL match. It's leg one of the quarterfinals against Club America. And ooh, this is a serious one. This is a big one. They are looking for revenge for the Campiones Cup. Uh, whether they like to say that, oh, they didn't take it seriously or not, yeah, we both played semi-reserve sides, but also uh, guys that had seen the, uh, you know, at least starting 11s or a lot of playing time, so, you know. And it was very competitive. The match itself, regardless of what anyone wants to say, the players that were put on the pitch that night tried, mm -hmm. both for Club America and for Atlantiana. They wanted to win that game. They were disappointed to lose that game. Miguel Herrera said as much after the game, and the newspapers in Mexico definitely said as much the next day. them. Because <laughs> they took a beating they said for losing first that match. loser. I they mean, made it very clear that in Mexico, they definitely were drugged through the mud for losing that game. So regardless of what anyone wants to say, losing that game was an embarrassment for Club America. They did not want to lose that game. So they absolutely will have revenge on their minds hosting Atlanta United this week in the Champions League. They're going to probably put out their strongest possible squad to put a message down and saying, hey, you shouldn't have beaten us the first time. It's going to be interesting. Both teams have injuries, but we'll see what happens with this one. It's going to be a very good game come, what is it, Tuesday night? Wednesday, Wednesday night? Wednesday, Wednesday night. night? It all blends together. It really does. But uh, in terms of the venue, it is the legendary, it is the historic Estadio Azteca. And uh, yeah, Frank DeBoer has even mentioned that yeah, as a player, he missed out on it, but he's looking forward to playing there as, a, or not playing there, but yeah, he's coaching there as uh, a manager for Atlanta United. And yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, this type of, you know, atmosphere that we're facing is maybe pretty similar to uh, the Benz, but I think definitely they can even add even more of, uh, you know, people into it. And so it's going to be really, I think, a, a sight to behold for sure. Uh, and I think, though, you know, the players are used to massive crowds. And so hopefully that's not really too much of an issue. But uh, why is Club America such a massive club? Why are they uh, held with such uh, regard in this uh, territory in, in the world? I mean, because, yeah, they're the most storied team in Liga Mekis. The most successful team in Liga Mekis. And you also have to think they've existed for over 100 years more than Atlanta United has. And not only have they been successful domestically, they've been successful in this exact competition as well. This club has pedigree. I mean, if you want to break down the league titles and the number of cups they've won, it's it's the most in Mexico. Right. And so uh, in terms of, yeah, 
you know, they have a record 13 titles. Uh, they have six Copa Emeki titles. They have six Campeón de Campeones Cups. Uh, in, in terms of international trophies, they have won 10 FIFA recognized club trophies, including seven CONCACAF Champions Leagues. So yeah, they are something to contend with for sure, not to be taken lightly at all. Uh, and then I think also uh, in terms of you know what we are facing with them, uh, they're just such a deep side. No matter if they're really injured or not, their second 11 is quite uh, pricey as well in Their second cards. 11 could start and do well in Major League Soccer. And by do well, I mean they'd be a top league side in Major League Soccer. Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, in terms of that price difference in terms of uh, total market value, it's quite stark. Uh, but, you know, in terms of that, that's 74.69 million uh, kind of total market value according to Transfer Market for Club America. For us, we're at 65.53 doesn't seem like that far off, but then you think about, you know, how many players and the quality of players that you can buy for, you know, maybe the 13 or you know, a, uh, 9 million difference. But uh, you also have to keep in mind that we are down a striker that's worth 19.25 million for us. And so what does that get us down to? Somewhere in the 40s. So scores, uh, <laughs> what, 30% of our goal or 40% of our goals worth 30% of our team value. Joseph right. Martinez, everybody. So we are missing that from our team. But, uh, you know, it's still, though, we have a lot of talent, but it is that's the, the mountain we are facing so uh, we do need to be aware of that uh, now in terms of yeah their uh, manager Miguel Herrera he's a 51 year old Mexican he was appointed in 2017 he usually plays with a 4-4-2 with a double six and um, yeah I think he had really high praise for Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, he called the venue the best stadium in the world high praise really really uh, you know great to to hear that, but uh, you know we won't be playing there, so that's uh, that's also a thing. So you know that return leg is at Fifth Bird Bank Stadium. But uh, in terms of uh, how they've been playing recently, uh, in their last six, they have won three and drawn two and lost one, of course. Uh, they were sixth in the league table with 31 points in the 2019 Cla or Apertura and third right now in the 2020 Clausura. Uh, and with us, we are first in the East with the two wins. We, of course, drew and won against Matagua. Uh, in terms of Club America, their last match, they drew 3-3 away against Pumas, which, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a derby for them. And, yeah, I mean, they kind of broke a duck that they were really um, trying to get out of for a while. Eight goals in eight games, uh, kind of their record low in terms of goal scoring before that Pumas match in terms of uh, in their last 12 years. And so that's their worst stretch, insane, and they just got out of it in a sense. But uh, still, I mean, that's uh, kind of hopefully bodes well for us in terms of scoring. Well, in terms of how we got here, obviously Atlanta defeated Matagua, like AJ just said, with the draw and the win, 4-1 on aggregate. But uh, Club America had a very difficult time getting past Comunicaciones, which was, uh, I believe, a Guatemalan side in the last one. They had to go to penalties, and it was very tight. And until Comunicaciones had a guy see a red card for a horror tackle, Club America was losing 1-0 at home, and they ended up getting their own penalty. They drew 0-1, it went to pens, and then they won 5-4. So they had everything thrown against them, and, and they struggled at times. They didn't look the best. 
But that being said, there's unfinished business between them and Atlanta United. And they're definitely, like I said before, they're going to want to go out and prove a point here. And sometimes focus can be something for a big club. Right. They were a big club. They knew at the end of the day, probably in the back of their heads, they were always going to get past Comunicaciones. And like maybe said, overlook them. Maybe a overlook bit. them. I maybe the doubt that that happens for Atlanta United. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and so, in terms of them at home, uh, they are seven three and three with twenty four points overall in the two thousand nineteen Apertura and twenty twenty Clausura combined. The goal difference of eight. In terms of us away, we were six one and ten with only nineteen points last season. In, yeah, I mean, that's uh, stark. Yeah. But, uh, and, I think, and I think the biggest issue that you see here is, you know, the previous trip to Mexico not being the preseason friendly. The previous trip to Mexico in the Champions League tie against Monterrey last year, where Atlanta United was okay, didn't create a lot. But then at the end of the game, you saw the inexperience. You saw the, the you know, the tiredness seep into the side. And you can see those two late goals, which really ended up being, you know, the deciding factor in that tie. And, you know, you're going to a stadium that's at a higher altitude, that's bigger, that's going to be just as aggressive against a really good team. It's going to be a difficult situation for Atlanta United to go in. As far as away trips are concerned, this will be the toughest away match Atlanta United has probably ever played. Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, next to that Monterey match probably for sure. But uh, in terms of their players to watch, uh, they have a young guy in Federico Vinas who's got three goals so far in Clausura. Uh, he's a 21-year-old Uruguayan Ford, and he has been kind of starting in place of a Rauher Martinez, who has been kind of, uh, you know, almost exiled out of the team at, for the time being, but might be brought back. Uh, he's being brought back into the team, of course. Perfect timing, of course. Uh, yeah, and another guy to maybe watch for sure is Luis Fuentes, a defender, 33-year-old Mexican Already has two goals in Clausura. So he's a guy that we will watch out for on set pieces for sure. And uh, Andres Barguin uh, also has two goals from mid uh, from the left wing, a 27-year-old Colombian. Uh, very, very good at crossing and dribbling past opponents. So yeah, or her right side, Brooks Lennon, will have a lot to contend with as well as whomever starts at right center back. Basically, everyone's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you also have the likes of uh, someone who's not healthy at the moment, but Giovanni Dos Santos. MLS fans are, I think, familiar with him. And I think U.S. men's national team uh, fans are familiar with Mimo Ochoa of the Mexican national team, who is a legendary goalkeeper. Although I will say he did not start in their last Champions League tie. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but the goalkeeper that started against Atlanta United in the uh, Campeones Cup last season, he was the one who played their Champions League matches the first go-around. I'll be curious to see who does, in fact, start in goal for them. Both are very talented goalkeepers, but Ochoa is obviously the better of the two. He will be a tough nut to crack should he be the one to start. And I think the other thing that Atlanta fans have to remember is just how aggressive this team is. And AJ mentioned it earlier that, that Miguel Herrera prefers to play a 4-4-2. It really at times is 4-2-4 because those central midfielders will hold, although they have the ability to go forward and score themselves. But the wingers will really push high up the pitch and they will attack and they will attack with pace. 
This team is very, very quick. If you were at the Campeones Cup match last season or watched it, you will know exactly what I'm talking about, which is why Atlanta United, especially those wing backs, are gonna have to be very careful about if and when they go forward in this match. Right, you have to be very, very choosy for sure. Uh, in terms of Atlanta United, if you are a Club America fan watching this, of course, you have to watch out for P.T. Martinez, who uh, nearly got a man of the match probably last match and definitely got, uh, I think, you know, maybe shafted a little bit for uh, the Nashville match. I think he probably should have uh, also uh, had a pretty good shout for that. But he's in the 2019, had seven goals and 11 assists. Quite if I good. had to pick one player <laughs> to watch, if there are Club America fans watching this, and honestly, most of them are going to be very familiar with P.T. Martinez mm -hmm. already, this is going to be the type of game that he's going to enjoy. He will relish playing in this game. For he sure. will relish playing in the stadium. He will relish he playing up. a big match. He shows up. I mean, this is what he did when he was at River Plate. This is what he wants to show so he can earn that move to Europe. And I think... If Atlanta United wants to have a chance in this game, PT Martinez is going to be that guy to watch because, well, there's a lot of players that aren't playing for Atlanta United. Right. But uh, in terms of another player, uh, Ezekiel Barco, of course. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that uh, has been, yeah, running the team in a sense uh, through his possession and through uh, just his incredible work rate. And it has been a really joy to see uh, that kind of development. Uh, even from last year, I mean, you can see just the link up between he and PT is really on point this season. Uh, and in terms of a defender to look at, Fernando Mesa has been really that experienced guy in the back who's really held it down in spite of all the chaos that's going on around him. And he will be very familiar with his opposition and this stadium. Indeed. Playing with Nakaxa, he has, um, in terms of, uh, yeah, played at Azteca before. He uh, has spoke about what he expects uh, from this game, and he says he expects to win. Um, yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, what he's expecting completely, he says, I'm convinced that we can win. Obviously, it's going to be an entertaining game because they play well. The field at Estadio at Azteca is well suited for that. So it will be a show, and when they come here, it will be the same. And uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, he obviously is very familiar with that team, and maybe not, you know, the rest of the team is as familiar, but I think, uh, you know, him playing with Nakasa, who, yeah, I think are unfortunately maybe not the size of a Club America, and still he feels that, you know, we have an opportunity. I think that's you know bullish on his part, and uh, that's the mindset we need to have going in for sure. Uh, now, in terms of uh, injuries and all that, both of the clubs are reeling at the moment. Uh, they might be out a ton of players. Bruno Valdez, Santiago Caceres are injured. Uh, Giovanni dos Santos is a doubt. Uh, uh, Henry Martin is also a doubt. Sebastian Cordova, Sebastian Caceres. Nicholas Benedetti, Nicholas Castillo, and Renato Abara are all injured. And also, interestingly, Abara, uh, he was formally charged this past week with domestic violence and an attempted femicide. Uh, and that was uh, after an alleged assault with, uh, on his pregnant partner. And so that's some strange ordeals going Not on around good. the team. Uh, you know, you never want to see all that, uh, but... They are, yeah, reeling just as we are. Joseph Martinez, of course, is out with an ACL tear. Franco Escobar, he has a leg injury and is out 
uh, of training. Uh, Lawrence Wyke with a concussion. It's just, it's, it goes on and on. Edgar Castillo, rib, not in training. George Bello, he played for Atlanta at two over the weekend, as we said, and he could play a part. But uh, yeah, uh, in terms of Robinson, he has a quad unavailable. Uh, and Manuel Castro has trained with the team this past week uh, after he came in uh, in the middle of last week. And per Frank DeBoer, Castro could see up to 30 minutes versus Club America. And uh, that would be interesting. I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of minutes uh, to maybe almost kind of promise almost, but uh, we shall see if he's going to be able to play all of that. Uh, but he was asked if he prefers to play uh, any position, and he says it's right or left wing, which in a three-man back line isn't really as uh, prominent slash not there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Castro also will wear number 15, previously, of course, worn by Tito Fischalba. Uh, yeah, and in terms of uh, yeah him playing uh, a part in the coming games, Frank DeBoer is pretty much saying in the coming weeks he will get his minutes. So uh, he Frank DeBoer also mentioned uh, you know what a good result was for him. He said uh, five five nil. Yeah, I mean uh, <laughs> he was joking of course, but uh, that. Uh, no, everybody knows it's going to be a very difficult game for us. If we score a goal, that's always nice to have. If we have a draw like a 1-1, it should be great, of course. But even a small loss like 2-1, there's no man overboard. Uh, and also he went on to say, we don't have to make the game. They have to score. We are an attacking side, so we want to be part of that aspect also. But of course, we have to choose our moments carefully. Now, uh, in terms of the lineup for Club America last week uh, against Pumas, it looked like this. Mimo Ochoa between the sticks, Aguilar, Sanchez, Aguilera, Fuentes in that back line. And then uh, you have Sanchez and Gonzalez in the middle there uh, in midfield, and Suarez and Cordova on the wings. And Henry Martin and Federico Vina up top as that 4-4-2. And they played on Friday night as well. So they have one extra days of rest plus no travel over Atlanta United. Right. And so that's something to contend with for sure. Uh, now, some of the keys to the game, I think, for this and for us is that, yeah, if we get our chances, we have to be very efficient and efficient like we have been uh, in terms of if we get a shot off, yeah, we have to finish off those chances for sure because we, he might rue those chances if we do not. Uh, that service for Adam John might be pretty important. His uh, hold-up play will be incredibly yes, important. Yes, indeed. And so if he can bring in the other players into the game, it will be clutch. Uh, and then we will deal with a makeshift back line again. So we shall see how we do with that again. Uh, now, in terms of our predicted 11, what do we think? Well, me and you both agree on our starting 11, mostly mm -hmm. because, well, there's not a lot of options to go with here. Yes. So obviously, Brad Gazan is going to be our keeper starting yep. in net. Nothing about that said. Yep. Back terms, line. Yeah, back line, I think, yeah. That's uh, where it's interesting. Very, very interesting, because do you play Campbell? Do you play someone with more experience? I think uh, we do, and I think Jeff Lerowitz, Len Renterwitz plays a part. Also, I think he, you know, not only scored that golazo versus them in, uh, in the Campiones Cup, I think it, uh, you know, he will bring that experience and he will play that as, I think, the sweeper role. And he's got that edge to him as well. He's up for a big game and he's not going to shirk from anyone. And to yeah. play a, a Campbell in this match is, 
it's almost like trying to play Miles Robinson and George Bellow against Herediano away last season. You're putting them in a very Literally, difficult position yeah. to succeed, and you have lots of expectation, big downside. So I don't think it's the best position to put him in. Mm-hmm. If you have to start him because of nothing else, then you do. But I agree with you. I think Jeff Reynolds will start just because of that experience factor. Right. And so, uh, Walks and Mesa flank him as the left and right center back. I think the other way around, if I, I said it opposite, but uh, Mesa will be on the left, yeah. I think. But, as far as uh, wingbacks go, Lennon, Moraney, no other real obvious choices outside of those two. They're exactly going to go. And same thing with the midfielders. It's going to be Eric Armetti and Emerson Heidman. Both have been playing well together. And I think a player like Hosetsu off the bench in this game, if things can become a bit stretched later on, that could be a really positive thing to have. But I think he's still new to the team, not fully fit and this isn't a place where you start a player for their first first league start. Yeah, definitely not. And uh, also, I think, yeah, you know, we agree here that Barco, PT, of course, and John up top. Uh, yeah, definitely. We've been alluding to his hold-up play. He, uh, I think, you know, with that uh, kind of run out on Saturday, we needed to see how it looked like. And, yeah, we can see that uh, there is a start of a connection happening, but in terms of the, uh, you know, true out-and-out chemistry, it's remaining to be seen and hopefully it does get better but what would we like to see the team do i think that uh yeah we need to get those players in the box like we uh were doing against fc cincy um now if we are able to uh yeah be on top for a a moment in in the game then we should pour some numbers forward uh and still have a safety valve in the back of course but uh yeah you know we need to at least try to create some chances because we cannot defend the entire game. No. And that would be a little bit detrimental, not only to you know our energy levels, but also, I mean, just, I think it will be lopsided if that happens. Absolutely. Well, Atlanta United, it, let's be realistic here, Atlanta United will not win the possession battle in this match. They will, in my opinion, probably have anywhere between 35 and 40% possession, somewhere in there. Um, I don't see Frank DeBoer conceding more than that, and I also think Atlanta United is a good enough team to have around that area. I think the really big key for Atlanta United here, and this is how Communicaciones scored as well, and this is how Coupe America looked vulnerable, is when Atlanta gets the chance to break, they have to break and they have to break efficiently. They're going to have to play passes quickly and they're not going to be able to take one, two, three, four touches on the ball. So looking at you, Ezekiel Barco, he's going to have to make decisions very quickly. And if he has the ability to play a first time ball through, it's whether it's a PT Martinez or someone else, he's going to have to because that is where you will be able to get at Club America. Because like Frank DeBoer said, the emphasis is on them. The impetus is on them to score goals at home. The chances and the spaces will be there. Atlanta United has to be ruthless. It has to be efficient when they get them. Yeah. And uh, I even think, yeah, I mean, if uh, Lennon can uh, play an early ball from the wing as well as, you know, Mulraney, if he, you know, I don't think he maybe has as much time to dwell on it, to dribble as much. Uh, yeah, the wing play will be very vital in this match as well. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, they are able to muster up something in terms of service for us. Now, the odds in this... Well, uh, I think, hold on, there's one more thing that builds mm. into the odds. And this, I think, is the most important thing about this whole match, is keeping our heads. Yes, that if we can see... the most important thing. Yeah, if we concede a goal, let's not let it become one, two, three goals. And Can't the, be like Monterey last year yeah. where you concede that second and then concede a third. You yeah. have to be able to keep your head. And even in the first match against Club America that we played in the Campeones Cup. They were trying to wind certain players up. Again, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but if that backup goalkeeper is playing in uh, Ochoa, he is a top-class shithouser, and he will be trying to wind up everybody that he can. So Atlanta United will have to make sure they keep their heads 
and make sure they stay focused. If they can do that, they'll have a chance to get a result because like we're about to get into, the odds ain't great. The odds are against us for sure. According to Bet365, it's 69% chance for America to win. Uh, a draw is 23% and it's 15.4% for LA United to possibly win. So, with all that said, what is your score prediction? I'm going to go for 3-1 Club America. Um, it's not an ideal score line. I think that you get that away goal, which is important. Um, I think that Atlanta can get that away goal, just having seen how Club America played. Um, they have struggled to score, but they scored three in their last match, and I think against a, a back line that's going to be a bit makeshift and put together, maybe not the paciest in the world, and you know, with a little bit of aggression for revenge spurring them on, I just think that Club America are a really good side, and for a team like Atlanta United to be without so many key players is a really tough position to be put in. So I'm going to go 3-1 to Club America. Yeah, uh, I, I also have us as uh, losing this match, but not quite as bad. I think 2-1 uh, will be the scoreline. It, I think, plays a part where uh, they've been struggling a little bit. Um, yeah, in terms of us, we, uh, on the road, not been absolutely spectacular. And definitely against, you know, the likes of Nashville, it was not, um, you know, absolutely the most spectacular display either. And so, you know, us against a side like Club America, yeah, we really have to play almost a different game. And so this different game is us bunkering a little bit more, us hitting on the counter, and I think we can hold them off for at least, you know, not too many goals. So 2-1 is the scoreline for me. But that's pretty much our match preview. Let us know what your uh, score predictions are in the comments below. But. That's pretty much the entire show as well, except for the question of the day. The question of the day, guys, is going to revolve around Club America, but if you didn't check out the fan cam, Ron from Parcerers United and Final 30 Pod, kind of like me, but maybe a bit more pessimistic in terms of the final result, but I totally see where he's coming from in terms of Club America, or Club America, should I say, is quality. He thinks we're probably going to get pumped in this one. So guys, what do you think? I mean, let's just get down to the scoreline, get down to the comments below. Let us know what you think the scoreline is going to be. Do you agree with Ron? If you haven't seen that fan cam, check it out below. And yeah, guys, let us know what you think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and a rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.